Hello, party people. Welcome to Office Hours. The photographers are in. I'm Ashton Staniszewski. I'm David Patino. And Office Hours is the official podcast of Your Taxes Are Due in Three Weeks, and that purchase is not deductible. Definitely Fueled not. by LaCroix. Definitely by LaCroix. Hit us up, LaCroix. Definitely. Yeah, coconut and key lime, please. <laughs> Maybe some popple mousse. <laughs> uh, welcome to Office Hours, everybody. The uh, podcast where we kind of pull apart all the things that go bump the night for the creative world. So, uh, you know, we're glad you're here. Glad you could join us. And we actually have a really, really cool episode today. Uh, we're actually joined by Mike Graham, and he's the owner of Second Melody, a branding and design studio based in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, and their tagline, or at least the one that I'm seeing over here, is our agency can beat up your dad's agency. Ooh. So... That's a bold statement. Truth. Yeah. Can you back that um, up? Yeah. <laughs> we, it's, that's proven. Strong words. And I think uh, we're, we're going to learn more about it. But Mike, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, thank thanks. you, guys. Welcome. That being said, I guess, Mike, get us started and tell us a little bit more about Second Melody. Tell us about, I guess, because you have a very interesting story. David kind of told me a little bit about this before we got going, but it's, it's a really neat story. And I think that uh, it, some context would go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, agency was started about 13 years ago, um, October 2005, and uh, we started off as as a marketing and design firm. We were half marketing, half design, um, and I mean, three people, you know, working in an office in Morristown, and then slowly it just kind of evolved and graduated um, to us being a branding agency, which we are now. Um, but you know, the evolution of that and and changing pace over the years and hires and you know switching gears and things like that you know looking back on it now what we were 13 years ago has n almost nothing to do with what we are today <laughs> which which probably most companies like they they relish in their history right so they the first thing you see on the website is like oh we have combined 120 years experience <laughs> you know but like again in the end of the day i think as a business owner and you guys probably know it's like one of those things that like if you don't learn over the course of 13 years and, and change and adapt, then you're probably not doing it right. Yeah. My mission statement is sure. I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's um, not a bad thing. <laughs> the consistency though has, has really been in, in the work and um, surrounding myself, at least with people who love what they do and being able to put out stuff that we're proud of, um, regardless of the client, you have those clients. How many employees do you have now? Uh, 16. 16. That's yeah. a pretty decent wow. size. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost know, not it, boutique anymore. Uh, I don't. I have no idea what that definition. I mean, boutique is. stops at eighteen. Oh, does it? Is that know. the official? <laughs> David Bettino <laughs> finally has crossed over into expertise as a like branding expert yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely eighteen. <clears throat> yeah. Well, between so, welcome to Office Hours, a podcast where we have a combined experience of twenty-five years yeah. in photography. Right? Yeah, sounds that, amazing. That sounds so amazing. Sounds amazing. Got two two bums that have just been doing this long enough to like you know not be to completely poor. You've been doing this a long time. So have you. Does that mean we've made it? I think <laughs> that was last week's episode. Well, yeah, that, that was last week. <laughs> that's kind of the thing, though, right? Like that you kind of hit on it. Like, what does that have to do with what you're bringing to the table? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. There's a level of experience. Like, yeah, I've seen a lot of things because I've done it for a lot of years. But like, in the end of the day, the amount of years that you're doing something because there's people that have been doing things for 50 years that are horrible at it. Sure, that's true. <laughs> you know, like Good you can't point. stand on that, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'd argue that David's still waiting for his like talent to kind of finally kick in. So that's no, true. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally true. <laughs> um, well, Mike, I guess, you know, 
we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but I guess you have a really interesting story about how you you came to start Second Melody. I mean, you come from a a background where you are more on the front lines of the creative yeah. work, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was uh, working at a very very small um, pharmaceutical agency uh, right out of school. So talking about job for four or five years, um, twenty four years old, and kind of at the point where because I had nothing else to lose except you know, a rent payment and a car payment, no family, no kids, no nothing else. It was like, oh, I definitely know how to do this better. I could do it on my own. Absolutely. You know, yeah, <laughs> so famous last yeah, words. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'd, and at that point I had already been freelancing and, and my background was in design and video production and like, you know, all on the creative side. So I figured, oh, easy transition, right? Like I have clients that pay me for stuff now. So why can't I live off this? Um <laughs> And so when we got started, yeah, I had a partner when we started, but um, who left after a year and a half because, you know, it was one of those things that the ups and downs of starting a business is not for everybody. Um, but but basically, what it started out as is is us doing that and doing all the work ourselves, and then eventually getting comfortable with the fact of knowing when it's time to hire employees, and then even more so being able to trust those people. So hiring people you trust to do the work in your name. To kind of further your vision, I guess, if I had to sound cheesy about it. No, that's tough, though. Like, I know you and I, Ashton, I'm pointing at you like everybody else knows, but they don't. <laughs> um, you and I have talked about this where, you know, we are the thought process. We are the image makers, right? Yeah. That sounds so stupid, but that's, that's true. It's, but it's like an HBO documentary. Yeah, yeah think, but yeah. how do you go? Like, how do you let go and trust and and say like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to give you the reins, people, and you can you can go ahead when you start off thinking like, I know better than everybody else. Like yeah. that's why you started your own agency. You, you do. But I, what I've come to learn too, is that I don't think there's a right and a wrong way to do it. You either decide yeah. you want to start a company and bring on people or you figure out the best way to do it by yourself, which is also cool. Like, you know, there, there's one of those things where, you know, sometimes I sit back and I'm like, well, if I didn't have any employees and I was just consulting, you know, yeah. like it was just me, almost like you guys, right? I'm only concerned with myself and I'm only concerned with getting the next job, then that's awesome. And I only have myself to care about, you know? So I think there's there's good good and bad things probably about both. I think it's just like, if you commit to one though, there's kind of like no half-assing it, you know? Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So full full disclosure real quick. Like Mike is a uh, a client of mine, right? Uh, yeah. Or I'm a client no, of yours. No, you're a vendor of mine. I'm yes. A, yes. Uh, I'm your, your client. client. I'm like, okay, yeah. so good. So you know, like I do a lot of work for Mike, and 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 I, when I got started working with Mike, Mike and I used to go out and shoot stuff, and then one day Mike stopped showing up on set, and other people started showing up, and and I had this moment where I was like, well, where's Mike? Mike's not coming. Who am I going to drink beers with after the set? You know, yeah. like I, I had this whole like weird thing, and then but it, and it took me a minute to realize like, oh wow, this is business, and he's growing and furthering himself and he's no longer going to be here to run the shoot because he doesn't have to but you know what's crazy about it though is that <laughs> i'm hoping to get to a point where i can come to the shoots again and what i mean by that part. <laughs> yeah and what, what i mean by that is, is that half the time it's not like i'm too busy to be at things like that it's that i want to give other people experience so we yeah. have options right Smart. so so at the time we need to shoot three things at the same time in the same week i could depend on two other people and myself to go out and do it yeah you know but but that's that's the crazy turning point is that when you start to relinquish control a little bit about the nitty-gritty details and you're you're comfortable with it then you try to figure out a way to get back into it right. eventually because now <laughs> i want to be involved you know like sure 
I love being there. And if I could free up time and get my stuff done, then, you know, whatever. That's the fun stuff, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that presents a really interesting challenge, Mike. I mean, like, I think that most creative people, you know, we get into this and we break ties from our agency, you know, starts because we want to be the masters of our own domain. You know, we want to do the work and we want to do it our way. So to kind of, to go from doing the work, being in the trenches, doing it your way, that kind of hoorah thing, and then taking a step back as you grow that vision and that business into a bigger, a bigger machine, you know, that presents a pretty unique challenge, I think, right? I mean, I have to admit, like you said that, it, you know, you have to kind of trust and how do you, how do you go about relinquishing that control when the whole reason you got into it is because you wanted to do it yourself. Um, yeah, honestly, I'd be lying to you if I told you I, I have an answer, <laughs> you know, it's only because, you know, it's still like, it's, it's crazy. Cause even though we've had employees for a long time, or I've had employees for a long time, it's every day is a learning process and you come across so many different personalities. And I would say that the, the thing that links my team together is their, their passion for doing what they love. Like I mentioned before, and like this drive that's just like, like they get it. Like they may not all be designers and they may not all be creatives, but they get the the vision and the vision is to create amazing work. And the vision is to meet the client's needs. Like you guys know, like not everything that's going to come out of the studio is like the most groundbreaking thing ever. Right. But if we're working for people that pay us, then it's like, if it makes them happy, if it furthers their cause, if it, if their goal is to make more money with what you develop for them and that's happening, then you kind of win. Um, but as far as giving up control and stuff like that, it's, it's, I've found that it's making sure that I'm open and honest with my employees and I kind of give them enough freedom to do what they love and also enough freedom to do it well, because I've found in my experience at other agency owners and stuff, um, the people that can't, you know, give up control that yeah. much, the product suffers. Because if, if you're going to sure. stand over someone's shoulder, like we've all been there. Like I remember my job, like I had a great experience at the, the job I had before starting Second Melody, but there were times when the owner of the company stood over my shoulder as I was moving stuff around in Photoshop, you know? And it was like, I, that sticks in my brain to this day. Every time I walk over to a designer's desk and I'm like making comments to them, because if I'm going to be that guy or I'm going to turn into that guy, then like I lost, <laughs> you know, or at least I feel like I have. Yeah. That's a really interesting point because, you know, we, we, so last episode, uh, we talked a little bit about like kind of career milestones and we both had this similar sentiment where it was like the best work that we've made comes when you have a really great talented team of people around you and it helps sure. kind of elevate your work. Yeah. So to kind of hear you talk about it in the perspective of like, you know, you're, you're relinquishing control in the sense that you're allowing other people to do what they're good at in a way that helps push your client forward and i think that's like as problem solvers as creatives it's kind of what we are it's a really great perspective on it i think that's really interesting i i found out too that um a while back that the only really two things i have to sell on you know like to sell my business to clients regardless of the size is personality and our work that's it you know like i there's there's nothing that's going to put me against a larger agency that has all the experience and has three times the amount of employees and has worked with bigger brands the only thing that's going to keep me in the running for a project against someone like that is to see that they want to work with us because they like the way we act and we like the way we we treat this situation or they love the work that we did and i feel like if you can surround yourself with people that like somebody walks up to you like my team is amazing and i get compliments all the time because people walk in and they'll be like oh man i love talking to so-and-so on the phone or that person's really attentive or you know and like they get it and they get the vibe in a way then that's like 50 percent of the battle 
so i mean like as you because you've mentioned you have what 15 i'm sorry 15 to 18 yeah, six, 18 16. 16 yep yep and so you know when you talk about an agency uh you you have this really great group of like-minded individuals kind of working towards the cause how do you as you've grown the business as you kind of gone for, come from a one-man band to the shop you have now i mean how do you preserve culture like that i think that you know coming from a re recovering agency guy one of the, the the biggest obstacles that you know i saw in my tenure was that you know the agency went to great lengths to try to preserve what made them them you know that identity and so like do you find that it is it, is it a challenge to you as a as the you know the ringmaster of like the, the the space to kind of keep that culture growing in a positive direction um that's a good question i honestly i, I think the best way to do it is let people do their job <laughs> you know like it's crazy to me that that people will hire somebody you know and they're paying them x amount of dollars you know a year and they they will put so many obstacles between them doing what they were hired for just because they're not doing it the way they wanted to, or they feel like they're not following a certain process or whatever it is, you know? And like, I'm thinking to myself, like every dollar, even as an uh, agency the size of ours, which is small compared to a lot of other businesses, but every dollar that I spend on any kind of talent is still money technically coming out of my pocket and coming out of the business's pocket, right? So, it's crazy to me that you'd hire somebody for sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year or whatever it may be, and then you're gonna sit there and give them rules about right. how they should do their job. <laughs> you know, like why why bother? Like, yeah. you know, and I think that's kind of what it's come down to for me is that like when I hire people, it's probably like eighty percent personality and twenty percent if I think they can do their job correctly, which is crazy. But like, you know, because you could teach a lot of things. But there's a lot of things you can't teach. And when we have somebody that comes in the agency that doesn't vibe well with the culture, then that's what screws us up. That's the number one thing. Yeah. You know, the, you know, it's funny. I, I've had the luxury of uh, setting up camp in Mike's office many a time. And it, it's not I think one of the big things is um, there's not a forced culture like there's not like a pool table covered in dust you know like i just got one of those did no, you? <laughs> no but there, you know there's a like some agencies i walk into and they're like they've got the pool table and the kegerator and but but nobody touches that stuff yeah, yeah. right they're too afraid to touch it because they're too busy working on the pharma ad that has to come out two days ago you know and i think part of the culture that that you've been able to set up is it's just a space where people can do their work comfortably i would be so lying to you though if i told you i didn't set up the arcade machine in the conference well, you room. do have i know you do have an arcade and machine. i did and nobody nobody uses it see yeah but i think they're intimidated by it yeah but that's <laughs> i, I can't I be actually, working on the job i mean yeah, you know. I know. <laughs> there, there's a pr firm I, I work with like on regular and they they were here the other day for a shoot and they were like we got unlimited pto and i was like that's awesome yeah. and they were like yeah i don't i don't know like they're all afraid yeah, it's a to trap, use it. right? Yeah, like they exactly. think it's a trap. No, quite honestly, I mean, like you know, I quite candidly, I came from an agency that had unlimited uh, or really? an unlimited PTO, uh, unlimited sick days, okay. and which is an incredible perk, like absolutely stunning. And the, the owners of the agency put a lot of like emphasis on like how they wanted people to be healthy, and if you weren't, like you know, you should stay home and not come get rest of us sick. Yeah, which was it's great on paper, and when you talk about it out loud. But I think what ended up happening, at least for for me, this is I can only speak for myself. But like, I'd get sick and I'd feel bad. I'd be like, I can't, I can't take the day off. That's right, right. yeah. <laughs> like, I need to do my work. I need to make sure that I, I get my get my time in. Sure. Um, and so, like, it almost had like the reverse effect. And so, you know, yeah, that's a that's a dangerous dangerous thing to play with. But that's a that's a big thing though. Like that whole you know building culture is like the hot 
freaking thing right now like everybody's like oh you got to build a culture in your yeah whatever you know i mean i deal with it from pharma to you know creative to whatever banking everybody is on this kick of like tear down the cubicles open up the space put yeah. in a ping pong table i mean this has been happening for 15 years now but like it doesn't do shit if you don't hire the right people yeah. Or if you don't believe in it, I think that's the other that thing. Too. Like, because we, a part of our job as a branding agency is to help companies create culture in a way, you know, we're creating a theme, we're creating a narrative that they can get behind, you know, and, you know, there are some times when we've walked into a client to do like a brand workshop, right? And I can think of this one per, this one company specifically that we told them, we're like, when we have, we do a brand workshop, we want to hear from everybody. We want to hear from everybody from the CEO all the way down to the person that answers the phones because, you know, we want to get an idea of who you are who you really are they showed up to this brand workshop with just the executive team right with <laughs> planned out answers like it might as well have been written on their hands about what they were going to tell us okay and you know at one point we had to kind of stop and say listen this is not going to be good for anybody because you're basically forcing messaging and there's this is no good if, if you're not this company no matter what creative statement i come up with or the best logo i could possibly imagine is not going to represent your your employees are not going to believe Bullshit. in it so it's, it's yeah it's pointless <laughs> it's pointless you know so it, the people have to get behind it and i find like with my team and, and teams that really really work is that it's not me getting pissed off when someone's not doing their job or something goes wrong it's the rest of the team like, mm. like people who come into our office and, and can't do their job well, um, don't stand a chance, not because of me, but because of the employees, because yeah. they'll, they'll get on it and be like, what are you doing? Like, this is what we do here, you know? And, uh, again, it, I mean, obviously it's something I've done, but like, I can't, could tell you, I could, I can't pinpoint it, but you know, I can't, I couldn't be happier with how that kind of developed. You yeah. Know? So what do you do every day then? I have nothing. I, <laughs> a, I, I actually, yeah, what exactly a, do yeah. you do here, Mike? What does an agency <laughs> owner do? Uh, what does a brand developer do every day? I actually just sit in this room and wait for you to, to do a podcast. So finally, after 13 years, everyone at second melody is listening, going like, huh, what does he do? Like yeah, we've just seriously. shattered the glass here. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Um, uh, well, thanks for having me on the anniversary episode. No, um, no. Uh, what do I do? Um, uh, business development. Um, you know, that is what a lot of my job has turned into, uh, you know, um, there's that, um, well, okay. So let me turn it back to you guys for a second. Okay. So, so you guys, oh, good. What were you going to say? Ashton, you typical like o- t- typical owner tactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is like what that? he does every day. Yeah, he yeah, puts there you on go. his employees. Uh-huh. Brand psychologist. Yeah. They're like, hey, this Mike, what are you doing? He's like, what do you do? <laughs> well, this is okay, why he's no. the, this is why he's the boss. Right. <laughs> the reason I turn it back to you guys is because you guys are a hundred percent responsible for sales, marketing, okay. uh, doing the jobs, creating the jobs, and all of that. Okay. You know, and now my position has really gotten into growth of the agency, and but like. You know, the point when you're talking to a prospective client and you're making them feel comfortable with not only you and the job you're going to do for them and what you're going to accomplish, like that's been my job. Okay. But the reason I would turn it back to you guys is now you do all of that. And do you feel limited at all because you don't feel like you have enough time to do one side or the other, the creative or sales and marketing stuff? I just work longer hours usually because I know that next month, the jobs won't be there and the clients won't be there and i so i got to do it now i know that there's that ebb and flow and so i just take it when it comes i don't sure. I, I don't know and that's not probably not the right answer but no, no, no. <laughs> I think this that's is just the way i same work answer i don't know I about have. ashton <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's similar-ish. Like I, I'm, I have this terror. Like I wake up with with like in a cold sweat, worrying about like, oh no, the work's all gone. I have no more money to pay my bills. I'm gonna <laughs> have to sell my house. And um, but no, I think it's just like we. I work a little bit harder, a little bit longer, and when the phone rings, I pick it up. And I think that's kind of what it ends up being. Like I totally see the virtue in having like biz dev people and especially when you have a, like a, a much larger machine because like it is it's a lot to take on it's a lot of stuff i mean like that business development on its own is it's a lot of work you know i think that creatives if you're like your own one woman one man shop like it, it, there's a lot on your plate you know like i honestly think like one of the bigger parts is even just like admin stuff like oh, yeah, invoicing yeah. and yep. you know accounts receivable payable that kind of stuff like it's it takes up a large chunk of time and it removes you from like the doing, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, totally, I can totally see that being a thing. I think the other thing too is that you, you know, you, you get to a point where like you were mentioning before, you like, you just work a little harder, you just work a little harder. Yeah. Um, I got to a point where with business development, like you, you talked about relinquishing control before, that is the one area that I haven't been successfully able to relinquish control. Because when it comes to first impressions of the company, if if you're talking about um, someone who has no exposure to us or employees or anything like that, um, I haven't had any luck in at least what I feel somebody accurately representing second melody. That makes perfect sense though. Like that should be your job. It, it you does. You are the face and the body of it does, but, everything behind. But here's what I will say. And you and I both know people that own agencies that have more biz dev people than they do designers. Okay. And they're bringing in more money, you know, they're bringing in more, you know, and now, now here's the thing. Now, maybe the quality of the jobs aren't the same. That's always been my focus. Like, does the job fit us? Does the client going to work with us? You know, stuff like that. But at the same time, if you look at it from the standpoint of like, here's choice A, you could make more money for sure. Yeah. You know, and here's choice B, you're not going to make as much money, but you're probably going to be happier with the work you do. No, no, Listen, it's it doesn't I don't lose sleep about it because I've chosen option B for the last yeah. 13 years. But what I will say though is it's still kind of like, you know, a mind F. Like, you know what no, I mean? No, like I know. <laughs> you're sitting there going like, huh, well, and as your life progresses, I mean, 24 starting a business when I had nothing to lose to cut to having two kids, a wife, a house, and all that fun stuff now. It's like, whoa, okay, well, priorities change a little bit. You know, yeah. can I should I start to, you know? But you know. still do what you do. Yeah. I mean, like my 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 setup has changed drastically in the ten years that I've been shooting. But the and, core of it stays the same. Yeah, and yeah. like honestly, I've said no to a lot of work that I probably shouldn't have said no to. I mean, my wife and I joke about it, but she's like, "You're you're good at saying no," and I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, "But sometimes I couldn't pay the rent on day one, so I paid it on day two, like yeah. because I said no to a job." Yep. I feel more stressed generally. Yeah. But I feel better about life in general. But yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, I hear you. you know, I don't know if that's the right answer. Um, I'm just kind of hoping that someday it all pays off. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> crossed. It's like that's all we can really all hope for, right? Yeah. I <laughs> no, think it's coming. My, I think it's pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just, you keep, you keep sending them prayers up. And something will happen. I think by episode 15, you guys will be set. <laughs> ah, yeah. LaCroix. When that LaCroix money comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to you, LaCroix. LaCroix. We, I, like, I've, we've said your name like six times, and we'll say it six more. Just mm -hmm. send us a couple cases. It's cool. Yeah. Well, Mike, it sounds super interesting to me because like you said that, you know, the hard part for you is, is relinquishing control of being more or less like the brand mascot, kind of being the face of, of Second Melody. And 
I mean, do you feel, and I, I, I can totally understand that, but do you feel that it's because this is kind of your baby? You, this is your, this is the thing that you started. Do you feel like you have to rep it the way that you do? Oh yeah, man. Like I, I think when you create anything or bring anything into this world, and I mean, if anything, I'm going to sound like the crying artist at this point, but like, I think at any point, like the, there have been times when I kind of sit back and be like, wow, I used to like create stuff and I used to, you know, be an artist and I used to do all this stuff. And like, you know, now looking back on it, it's like, if I have time to draw a picture with my kids during the, you know, during the day, I'm lucky. And, you know, but, but it's, I brought this into the world and this is my thing. This is my livelihood, but also it's something I'm so proud of. And now, and now, you know, not to be dramatic about it, but like it's other people's livelihood. Right. So, so for me, it's super important that this doesn't start to, you know, erode, I guess is is the right word. Like, because I think the minute you get on that path, then you're like, okay, well I lost control. And you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, no. I mean, because I want to dig into this one a little bit deeper. So, you know, because you said starting the like starting the the agency when you were you know, 24, you didn't have a care in the world, nothing to lose, that kind of thing. And growing it to where it is now. I mean, at what point, like, were there were there very clear indicators? Was there like, were you able to read the tea leaves and say like, okay, I'm a shop of one. Now I need to be a shop of two or now I need to be a shop of five. Now I need to be a shop of 10. Right. I mean, like, what were there clear moments where you where you knew that the work was becoming too great for you to handle all on your own, that you needed the additional hands, help, time, expertise, whatever it might be to kind of start growing that. Cause I think that like, you know, our listener base is, is pretty, pretty wide, but I have to assume that there are people out there that are in this kind of like killing it creatively, doing what they're doing. And it's like, when, when, when do I decide that I need extra help is it is there a is there a time where i start thinking about me and as a we yeah yeah how many weeks of like consistent overbearing work before you go i need to hire somebody now (laughs) so i think uh, two different answers early on it started with workload and then became a necessity for perception if that makes sense because once we got like i remember landing our first big account right and when it came through the door we were like no way you know, and then we realize, oh, wait, we got to do this. Like, we actually have to figure out how to do this job. So, at first, it's like, okay, well, we need to bring on the people to help us do this job. And then you start like saying, well, I want more projects like this. You know, I want more jobs like this. I want more clients like this. And then you kind of need to have that team in place in a way in order to pitch these jobs, you know? And it's changed a little bit. Like, I feel like the shift has been when I first started, it was like, you need to be the full service agency. Like we played that game for the longest time, you know, (laughs) we're full service. We do it all. We do, you know, that doesn't mean shit. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't. And, and we, we came to, and there are a lot of people that still do that. And we've made it a point to not do that. And we're very clear cut about what we do and what we don't do. But at early, early days, it was like, I will do anything for you. Absolutely. Just send me a check and sign the proposal and we're good to go. You know, but now going back to, to your original question is, how do we measure when we need more people? Um, it's it's one of those things that like I don't have down to an exact science. I get to the point where at this point I feel like if it's gonna benefit the rest of my team members, you know? So so if the team if not just because they're busy, but if we see a hole in what we're doing and somebody who is really great at a certain thing can be brought to the team and make everyone's job easier or, you know, add to the overall, you know, strategy for the company, mm. then that's kind of what I hire on based based on that. Um, but obviously, it's always based on how much work we have coming in. Sure, sure. Because you, know? you got to pay them. 
Well, yes, I, I, I mean, I think it's super interesting that you you talk about this this story of like being full service or attempting to be the full service because I think I, I know the, I I think if you look through the agencies, you Google like your town and agencies, you'll come up with a lot of them, and they will a lot of them will probably say full service in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, like eighty five percent. But I think it's I think it's super interesting to hear you say that you know like you've tried that and you know discovered that like that's not the that's not the that's not your key to success. It your key was more or less throttling back and kind of finding that niche. So you know I think that we have a lot of folks that are you know that are that they they dabble in different parts of the creative pie. You know it's like oh I'm I'm a slashy right like I'm a photographer slash this slash that. Did you do you think that? Your, your success was really rooted in finding specificity in, in what you guys focus in, like what you do. And yeah. how did that kind of, how did that decision come about? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, definitely in what we do. So there were people who told me all throughout the last 13 years that I need to niche, you know, in an industry. You need to niche. You want to make any money, you specialize in an industry, that's where you're gonna, your business is going to come from. And like, we hated that, you know? Because then to me, all that screamed was like, I'm going to be doing the same thing over and over again. And even if I can make more money doing it becomes, because it becomes cookie cutter, like that's like our pitch now because we run up, we still run up, which baffles me to no end, but we run up against clients that will say like, well, you don't have experience in the insurance agency, so how could you possibly <laughs> design a new brand? And I'm like sitting there going like, do you want people? People that are just in the insurance agent, you know, insurance business to yeah. brand you. Like, if you take a look and see everybody in this age, you know, industry or that industry looks exactly the same, the same. exactly color. the same, same royal blue, yeah, <laughs> same strategy over and over and over again. You know, so so that was it at first, um, and why we kind of fought against that. But then, um, kind of what you said about uh, streamlining it from a you know, kind of like what we do standpoint, and and I'll be honest with you, out of the thirteen years, this only happened in the last five. You know, where we became really, really comfortable with it because, you know, through points of growth and, and non-growth of the agency, like, you know, you, you do do things to bring in money, right? But up until like probably the last four or five years, it was like, okay, we're going to introduce vendors as vendors. You know, we're going to be very clear about the value we bring as an agency. And if there's certain companies that aren't comfortable with hiring an agency that's going to bring in a trusted partner, then probably not the client for us, you know? I think um, you need to be I think you need to be comfortable with the fact of like a lot of it is when you talk to agencies who are like we're full service, right? And and everything goes through under their brand. It's because they're trying to make more money. And 90% of the time. Well, that and they're trying I think to make it seem like they're somebody that they're not so they could get more business. Right. You but, know? Like they can accommodate yeah, everything, right. make more you know? money, like, sure. Absolutely. And I think that that part of that is that, you know, so then me as a person who's built my business, you know, and Ashton who's built his business, now has to like take a step back and go like, hey, I'm I'm a second melody photographer. Yeah, or no. I'm a, you know, like totally. So it's a, it's kind of hard for us to step into that role and like, but again, most of the time we're trying to put food on the table, and so we're like, yeah, yeah that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we all go along with it, and then you know, five years later, we're all like, well, this is stupid. <laughs> it detracts from the value, I think. You know, like yeah. your product, because then you're you're operating basically through a third party or under the pretense that you're something that you're not. Yeah. And for the client, I mean, again, it's not all clients, but for the most part, clients don't care. Right. You know, their concern is that you're bringing the best people to the table. And if the best person that you're bringing to the table happens to not be technically employed by you, who cares? You know, on your payroll. Right. Why would that matter? See, and that's what I always like the agencies who use, don't 
not hire me, by the way. Yeah. Real quick. <laughs> the, hey, but the hey, agency, carefully, uh, David. What are you know, doing next week? Very carefully. But the agencies who like, you know, this is our guy. He does everything. Like, that guy better be able to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Like, Ashton shoots auto unbelievably. Yeah. Like, and I don't. Because I don't see it that way. I don't have the love for it. And so, you know, if someone were to call me and be like, this is our guy. Of course he'll shoot your, you know, whatever, Lexus. I'd be like, ah. Okay. Yeah. But like, why wouldn't you just call the best guy for it? Why wouldn't you call Ashton for it if he is the best guy? As in, as you hiring employees, you don't just hire anybody. Right. You hire the best freaking right. person for the job. So why would like why are you just like passing off this one person as you're like this is our guy? I mean, and I, I this is just my like my two cent understanding of the industry that is marketing agencies. So I me mean, take it for what little it's worth. But I feel like. It, it, there's some kind of shift happening where for a little while it was like, how big can you be? How full service can you be? How yeah. many things can you put under mm-hmm. one roof? And I, I start, I think what I'm, we're starting to see now is, is, is this kind of shift back to smaller niche, you know, where, you know, big clients might say, you know, like big brand might say, well, you know, we want to have the best people at the table for this particular slice of our business right like whether it be you know digital or marcom or social right so it's like let's pick instead of picking a generalist where we kind of have a a full a full spread of things let's really narrow in on these specific shops it's like you know it's like going to an auto repair shop versus go like for your bmw versus going to a bmw shop yeah you know and you kind of you know you, you know you get you get a, a because you're able to focus you're able to get a slightly sharper product out of out of that team i mean i guess like that's just what i've seen and i think like yeah. it makes for really interesting lay of the land you know when you start looking at the landscape of how marketing like marcom and like i think like one of the super things i've seen recently is the split between like a marketing communications agency into digital right yeah right. like at one point in time they were kind of the same thing yeah. But now you're kind of seeing this like split where they're two very different things and they 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 offer different services and you can be you can be very very bad at them if you don't know what you're doing right, you know. Yeah. I th- and I think it's two schools of thought, right? Like you could get paid more money because you do more things or you could get paid more money because you do the thing you do well well you depends know what i mean like client. right well it depends on the client but also i i think that as you progress as a you know as an agency as an artist as as a trusted partner like i'm going to start charging more for what we do and why because i bring more value to the table you know versus you know and again not saying it's the wrong way to go but like if i can charge you know a hundred thousand dollars for something because I'm doing the thing I do best and bringing a lot of value to the table. It's better for me than, you know, finding $20,000 five times over other things. And I honestly, seriously, and, and just because this is the other thing that only in the past few years have I really started to dig in into like, you want to bore people to death with this, but like profit margin, you know, like and analyzing that, you know, um, and because business coach, coach Dave, Dave Um okay. Love that guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he drinks LaCroix, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so... I, Absolutely. But, but he he took, he took a step back and really what it came down to is like, how much time are you spending managing something that you don't do well? 
you know like i'm i'm gonna bring in dave on a on a project and i'm gonna pretend that he works for us and i'm gonna be the go-between between him and and my client and i'm gonna field all the questions so now i am sending emails to my client i'm sending emails to dave i'm getting emails back from dave you know and you you're managing it double and you're actually in the end of the day breaking even on on something just because you feel like you know you could be making more money or in the in the client's eyes you know Mike, I think that's super interesting because I think this is almost almost this is so scalable, whether you're a 16 person shop like Second Melody or if you're a one woman, one man band, um, you know, running your own your own show in that any time that you work with a client, you have a client relationship and you start to become a generalist, you know, like you start taking on all the things made that may or may not be outside your wheelhouse. You know, you run the risk of 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 damaging that relationship if you don't fully deliver on that client expectation. And so like, you know, I, I, I talk about it from my perspective of like, I, I came from an agency pers- uh, world where I had to be a generalist and, you know, I had to be all things for all clients. So your style had to be kind of universal. And that's really, really challenging as you get further down the craft, you know, you get further down the hole and you kind of develop a style that is specific to you and unique to you. It tends to lend itself to one style of work or one particular industry that you serve. And, you know, it's, it's really challenging sometimes to kind of like say, oh, well, I need to like undo what I am and to try to do something else for another, another brand that might be outside my wheelhouse. But knowing that like to not do that would be to say no to work. I I just think it's, it's a challenge for all creatives because, you know, we want to say yes to all the work that we can, we can kind of put our mitts on, but to your point, like, you know, if you're not good at it, if you're not a rock star at it, you might damage that client relationship and that work might go away. Yeah, definitely. I think there's good challenges and bad challenges. That's what I've learned, you know, like, I, you know, I think as as a creative um, or, you know, owning a creative agency, like you get to the point where you always look at something and you see the opportunity, not just for the money side, but like if you're doing it right, I feel like you look at it and you're like, oh, I can make this look good, you know, or I can I can definitely figure out how to solve their problems, you know, but like in the end of the day, there are those jobs when like you probably can't. You know, and being honest with yourself, if if you can't solve that problem better than someone else can, then it's probably not a good job for you. I had this moment the other day where I was like, it's not that I don't want to do X jobs. I just don't want to do them for everybody. Like the type of client you mean? Yeah. Like if you called me and you were like, hey, can you just come do this like one shot for me? Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, yes. Yeah. Because we do a lot of stuff together. But if somebody just called me out of the blue and was like, hey, can you do this one shot for me? Got it. Yeah, absolutely. I'd probably say no to it. And and. Part of me felt like an arrogant prick for about 34 seconds. <laughs> and then part of me was like, no, no, no. That's just a business decision. Yeah. Like, yep. of course, I'm going to help out the people that I'm in bed with and I'm having fun with. That was a weird statement. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I'm not going to help out the guy who's knocking at the door saying, yeah. you know, hey, me too. Well, and I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, I say what I say not to say like you shouldn't stretch outside your creative boundaries and try new things and things of that sort. I think that there's growth in that. And, you know, obviously who doesn't like a challenge? I mean, you don't, you don't really know what you're capable of until after you've done it. Yes. Um, but I do think that there's something to be said about, you know, trying to be a generalist means that you'll never truly excel in, in one, in one, you like, you'll never have perf- like, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Expertise. Mastery. You'll never have mastery right. in in a particular. You know, it's like you. If you want to be a generalist, that's great, but no one's a master of of 
generalists. You know, like that's it's like it that it, it doesn't exist because it's it's counterintuitive, right? right. Um, so. I don't know. I feel like, at least in the photography world, from what I've come to know and understand of it, it's like the people that are at be- that are the best at what they do, they they pick a niche or they pick a, a a section of the industry to service, and then they just drive towards that. I, I think that we're starting to see a little bit of that DNA rub off onto like the agency world, where you know you can be a you can be a, a house of all things. But it becomes a bigger challenge for you to become a master at those because you have so many things to to do versus, you know, narrowing down the service and distilling it down to what you what you know and you can do and do really, really freaking well. Um, And that's where you start to see like lots of these, you know, really great branding and agency shops like just excel like they're just going gangbusters on things. Do you think there's room for generalists, though, or no? Yeah, I think there's generalists in the, the same way that there's room for. I mean, like you know, like I, I, mean, I mean, like let's go medical on it. Like there are general practitioners, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't and, think and that you there's, need those people because. Yeah, but I think it's a different general practitioners. When when it comes to medical, mm-hmm. I think that that makes sense because there is a need for that. I would argue that there's, sorry, there's a way to make money as a generalist when it comes to agencies. <laughs> okay. But you definitely have to sacrifice the level you work. Like I'll oh, go absolutely, you know, absolutely, and and that's okay for certain people, yeah. and that's okay for a lot of clients. Yeah. So, but to your answer your question, I would prefer if there wasn't because I have to constantly sit there and tell people why why the quality of the product is going to be better, you know. Yeah. But they're just going to see a price tag anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, there are generalists like there are general practitioners for medicine, but you wouldn't want that that person to be like your brain surgeon no absolutely not but what, what i'm saying is that like honestly as a a, a a guy who you know could care more about his health sometimes i'm just like oh, i'm just gonna go to the whatever the guy who i can get into real quick i'm gonna go to the you know the the minute clinic or whatever the hell it is because i can get in and out because i don't need you know a specialist at that point just just give me the damn z pack and i'm out the door <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah no totally and and, 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 yeah. and i get that like people call me yeah. sometimes and they're like i don't need anything fancy you know, of course, the first thing I think is like, well, all I do is fancy, which is stupid. But like, then I listen to the story and I'm like, let me just hear you out. Do you really not need anything fancy? Like, then maybe you should just use your freaking iPhone. I was going to say, like, one of my <laughs> least favorite sentences I used to get um, in my past life was, I just need this done quick and dirty. Right. And it's like, does Shooting that mean... yourself. <laughs> it's like, does that mean I should just, like, I don't, I don't phone in things, mind you. Like, I do this for a living because I love it and I like to be good at it. Like yeah. not because I want it to be just there. <laughs> well, then, and that gets to a good point, which you and I have had this discussion before. Is that mm-hmm. the best clients to work with? In I don't care what you're doing, the best clients to work with are people that respect what you do and see the value in it, right? Sure. Just, Absolutely, it, no. And 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 there's a mutual respect for that. And and that's the thing too is that like you get to the point when you say things like that, and people that are like, oh right, okay, because uh, what you do, you have to be so special, and it, you know. But no, for real, like it, that's just like the the whole concept of an RFP, right? Like you guys probably don't have to deal as much with it as we do, but like. RFP request for proposal is this concept where basically a company says, I don't want to bother to do the research on which agencies I really want to work with. I'm going to send this out to every agency I could possibly think of. 
And the ones that come back with proposals, I'm going to semi look at, but mostly I'm going to look at the price. And then I'm going to make a decision based on that. Now, think about that concept and apply it to anything else. Mm. Like if you're looking for uh, a plumber for your house, someone to fix your car, uh, anything, anything, you sit there and you do the research and you figure out the best person you're going to possibly go to based on people that have worked with them and everything like that. But the lazy companies, and I'll just go out there and say it, the lazy companies are the ones that are like, oh, okay, well, respond to the RFP and you'll have to back in by March 26th. And then when we respond, well, you know, like we're going to set rules basically for how you're going to figure out how to solve our problem. You know, there's no Angie's list for agencies. Well, <laughs> there is probably there is. But the, the point is here is it's not. It's By the not way, just hold on. A, uh, new business idea. Angie's list for agencies. <laughs> that, those people know that exists and they've called me before to get a listing. <laughs> I mean, like between like a fiver, but for agencies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you develop our email marketing campaign? I got 10 bucks and I need it by Sold. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but like in the end of the day, just do some research, right? Yeah. Like look at our look at our stuff. Yeah. Do you like it? Don't you like it? Don't even send us the thing. If you don't like our stuff, then why are you gonna even bother sending me? It's a very high horse thing. It's like, hey everybody, yeah. it work. We have money. Come over here. We're gonna spend it. Yeah. We could give it to you. It's bullshit. So like, okay, so as you've been, you know, we've talked about like finding this, like a specific niche to serve, kind of finding your, finding your success and, and, and being specific about what you do and how you do it. You know, how, how has that brand shifted over the years? You know, when you were one man shop to now you have 16 folks and all like that kind of growth in between, how do you continue to develop the brand that is Second Melody and the work that you guys do? I mean... You know, obviously, you're developing you're developing branding and working working for all these different brands, so they're not all the same. But as a house, as a as an agency, you have a voice, right? You have like a you have a stylistic thing that kind of makes you what you are. How is growing that like? I mean, what does that what does that look like, and how do you how do you find that it's it's developed over the years? Um, man, you're asking hard questions. Um, came to play today, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't ready. So. I think that earlier on it developed naturally and it it didn't come to the point where we needed to start defining that till we realized that we had to go out there and start picking and choosing the the business we want to compete for, you know? So like it's like the difference between answering the phone when when somebody calls or like saying like, hey, I want to work with that brand or at least I want to work with a company on that level and I have to go out and sell myself because those people don't know I exist right now. So their first impression of me is going to be way different than the company that gets a recommendation from somebody that worked with me, you know? Um, so I think there had to be actually like this proactive thing where we sat down and said like, who are we? <laughs> you know, we do this for other people, but like, who are we? Let's look deep. Let's figure it out. Um, and then like... Just again, there's a lot more to it, but in the end of the day, what we came just and it works for us is what we came, it, what it came down to is that again, going back to the personality and the work thing is like that combination is like the minute you get us in the room and the minute you see what we've done for other companies, you know, it's usually a good chance that we're going to be able to work together if it's a good fit, you know, but but on the outside of things, like. You know, we use we use tools like uh, we shot a whole bunch of video at Dave Studio uh, here, where we it was basically us in front of a you know completely white background that we put on the header of our of our homepage of our website, and people would go to the site and they would be like, "Whoa, I've never seen that before," and I'd, I'd be like, "Well, if you look at an Apple commercial ever, 
You know, it's the exact same concept. <laughs> but but what their reference point was is that like they're looking for agencies and all these agencies start off their website with like, we can increase your business by 20% and we can, you know, do all this stuff. And here we are dancing around like idiots, you know, singing on a microphone, like, you know, it's, you know, making fun of each other and stuff like that. And what it did, it just grabbed your attention and it told you who we are. And if you, if you weren't down with that, then you probably wouldn't be down with working with us, you know? It's, so it's stuff like that. It's true. Cause everybody I've, ever referred to you has I've, I've given them your website and then they've said to me is he the guy flying the kite or the guy throwing the yeah. kite on the ground <laughs> i got that last week that's from a, somebody it's the first question they asked Sarah asked. if there she was are you the one with the microphone yeah. and what were you singing <laughs> she was like i was singing celine dion yeah that's <laughs> i will sing it for you now um I, well i mean so it's it's i'm like i'm like watching it now i've seen it before i'm watching it again because it's like it's it's, it's too good to not watch but it, that's really interesting because i think to to me it sounds like you know, the culture and the brand that is Second Melody are so intertwined with each other. I think that is the mark of a successful business, right? When, you know, you're very cognizant of what you are and who you want to be. And that kind of dictates how you, who you pursue in the work and how you pursue it, right? Which I think for all creatives, there's like, there is a moment where, you know, you have to kind of figure out what you want to be and how that relates to, you know, magic air quotes brand. You like guys I, have it so much worse though. As photographers, you guys have it so much worse because everything you do and everything you post on Instagram is going to be used as an example of your work. True. <laughs> you oh, yeah, my, like if my, my brand's You awful, go to my so. personal <laughs> Instagram page and it's just like my kids and the records, and records. I'm, I'm playing. Yeah. That's it. I wish. Yeah. I wish I could go back. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the kind of pressure you guys have. Somebody, I just read actually uh, somewhere that like the the you know everybody's got a formula, but it was the perfect formula for photographers that it should be like something like seventy percent work, thirty percent personal, but make sure the personal reflects your work. Yeah, so it's got to be amazing <laughs> shots. So basically, your work, pret- yeah. yeah, pretending to be personal. So if I want to take a picture of a record I'm playing, it's better be freaking yeah. amazing. It's like I'm I'm never allowed to take a terrible photo. Yeah. No. And it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna break the, I'm gonna break everyone's minds here. Like it happens. I, I sometimes take bad photos. Like I'm just you like do? you. I, what? No, I'm just I'm just trying. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make you feel better. Just like, like us. That um, was Ashton well, no, I mean, talking. But it's it's well it's like okay so you know you see like I I've always thought about this as being super funny like you see uh, Formula One drivers like Lewis Hamilton right he's the guy that drives a Mercedes super fast he's won a bunch of national or world championships like fastest driver in the world. But then, like, you see him and you're like, oh, yeah, I drive, like, a, a C-class Mercedes on the weekends. It's, like, super slow and it carries <laughs> stuff in it. It's like... Yeah, got my groceries to get. You can never pull that, up to a stoplight with somebody else. No, it's, like, yeah, it's like, what What do you do with that? Yeah. It doesn't have to be your entire way of life, though. Or does it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just had a guy over here, a buddy of mine the other day. He was showing me Instagrams of photographers that he's fawning over. Um you know, and there's people I follow and he was showing me these guys. He's like, you've never heard of these guys. I was like, no, I've never heard of them. I don't know. Like then I saw the pictures and I was like, Oh, I know who he is. But then there was like some guys who were like, you know, guys that are shooting national massive ad campaigns who honestly, they had like 1800 followers and it was pictures of their dog Yep. because the work didn't, their Instagram didn't matter. It didn't, well, it didn't matter, but I came to the <laughs> came to this revelation not too long ago that like at our level, and I don't want to speak for you guys, but at our level, Second Melody's level, technically we're not competing against anybody. And what I mean by that is that unless you're on that level of the like, 
you know, these huge agencies that are competing for the Heineken business, sure. you know, or the or the LaCroix business. Right. Um, you know, like wink, we're wink. not yeah. We we completely make our own destiny. We're not out there. Somebody's not looking at all these other agencies and being like, ooh, second melody versus these guys, or like David Patino versus Ashton, yeah. you know, like there's so many. There's so many. There's I mean, so much money and so much business out there. Perfect example. My wife and I are basically in the same business, yeah. right? We've been together for <laughs> you don't work many together. years now. Hold on. We have never bid on the same job. Yeah. Ever. I think we've been together for like eight or nine years now. We've never, ever bid on the same job. Yeah. There's a lot of work out there. Yeah. You and know? I agree. I mean, I think like, and I've, I've said to other folks before, I mean, you know, there's, it's like the sun. There's enough for everyone to get warm. Uh, you just kind of have to be, you know, no, you have to understand that not all of it is meant for you just based on style and what you like to shoot. And, and that's okay. You got to be okay with that. You know, and I think that's kind of to our point earlier about being a generalist versus being specific about what you want to do. Um, cause if you're a generalist all the time, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it out like for what my experience was, but like being a generalist, like I shot a lot of different things, which is really, really incredible. I had a lot of fun doing it, but I was kind of unhappy with like, you know, I wasn't really doing the work that got me excited. It didn't, it didn't get me jammed to like pick up a camera in the morning. Right. And I think that you can be a generalist for so long before you just kind of get burnt out on it, you know, like it keeps it fresh until you're not chasing what you really want to chase anymore. Yeah. And there's gotta be that element of that, right? You gotta, you gotta be happy with what you're making or what you're creating in, at least in this field. Um, because it's, it's, it's not a cookie cutter, you know, road to success, you know? No. I think the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that obviously stay true to yourself and you know, all that garbage, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> believe in yourself believe in yourself you can do anything no you can't do anything you know <laughs> but, I, fuzzies. yeah <laughs> but uh, but i think in the end of the day like you, you kind of alluded to before like you know you got to sleep at night you know and yeah. it it depends what your level of being able to sleep at night is you know if you're down for making a lot of money and you know compromising the work and and stuff like that that's cool too like i i totally respect people that do that you know part of me sometimes i sit there and i'm like oh wow i wish i could do that life would be easier life would be easier probably yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> but at the same time i mean in the end of the day like i think long term you know it'll pay off yeah. by episode 15 no, that's incredible insight. And I, I think that, you know, the, the best part about all of this information is it, it's kind of scalable. I think it's kind of applicable to all creatives. Um, and no matter where you are in that process, knowing that you kind of have to, that whole warm and fuzzy, stay true to yourself and, and know what you're in this for uh, is what kind of will be your guideline to success here. So, uh, Mike, thank you. Thank you very much yeah, for, thanks, for, you for sharing your insights on that. Um, Mike it's a bumpy is, road, but we'll get there. That's what I got out of it. Thank God I have this LaCroix to, for the journey. <laughs> How refreshing, just like our LaCroix. All right, Mike, we're going to finish off our time with you real quick uh, with a little game. Um, I've got some cliche business life phrases here, uh -huh. and I want to get your take on them. Go. I'm going to start you off easy. The client is always right. So wrong. <laughs> Why is it so wrong? Um, no, listen, the client is always right, and... Uh, I think that in the end of the day, if you sign up and you're taking someone's money and you can't figure out how to please them, then there's there's probably only two options. Either you're, you didn't listen to them or you didn't educate them enough about what you do 
So they're aware of the product they're getting. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say the client is always right. I would just say you have to kind of think about um, what you're delivering to them and yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what a paradigm shift is? <laughs> I, I paradigm shift like every morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh mm-hmm. that's a bowel movement. A- Never mind. Um, uh, no, I have no idea what that means. Good. All yeah. right. Um, bigger is better. Uh, absolutely false. All right. There's nothing about that statement that is true. Haste makes waste. Except for maybe the ladies. Sorry. Haste makes waste. Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. Thanks, grandpa. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I get down with that one. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to s- sit there and, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to sit there and haste all day, you know, <laughs> you're the guy you, that's on billable hours here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So sorry for personal growth, mm. not, not, not pertaining to clients, but yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. And, uh, we'll fix it in post. Whoa. That's hundred percent applicable. That's applicable to every industry. Regardless. And every creative person in the world every, now hates you. Not, e- not even creative. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. L- listen. You have a background in video. You I, went to 100%. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Listen, no, I'm just kidding. That is not 100% okay. But I will say, I will say, it is important for all of us to take a step down off the pedestal and realize that if there is something to do after the fact to help with the job, we should. Words of wisdom from Mike. <laughs> yeah, be the advocate, Mike. Hey, I'm, the, I'm the agency. Take more pictures and shut up. No, <laughs> that sounds about right. That's like every single oh. art director I've ever heard. Feels like I'm on the job. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah this is. I'm, I'm have like night sweats now. I love. I love you guys so much. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, thanks for coming. First and good. last time. So listen, we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna we're gonna close out here. We've got this little segment where we. I don't know if you've ever listened to us before. We have this little segment where we actually talk about cameras for a second. Hit me with it, Ashton. I know you're a huge Sony fan because we've talked oh, about these yeah. before. Why do you do this to me? Um, I want to know your take on the A sixty four hundred. You know, Sony had this sixty three hundred, which was and they had a, a sixty five hundred. Right, and then they thought shit we missed something there let's go back and hit yep. the 6400 so it's a it's a it's what i would consider to be a, a point and shoot it's a great little camera but it's interchangeable lens it's 24 megapixel it's 11 frames a second it's got some iso range it does 4k i've never the touched four, one have you I think ever the touched 4K's one sp- no i haven't but i hear the 4k is pretty good um i hear it's good too I, I, i've the, seen footage the, from it it looks good the naming conventions always trip me up because it's like it's like apple does like iphone x well 10 but then people say x but then they never made a nine so then you have sony with this like oh we have 63 65 now 64 so so is the is the 64 let is it less feature set than 65 even though it's newer or i would imagine that it's uh a little bit more than the 63 but not as much as the 65 and you know i I mean like from a branding standpoint if you were going to release a new product in between two other products would you just pick a number in between I usually go with the like uh 3.0012 like a software model. guy yeah, yeah sure okay yeah it's very very analytical um yeah. <laughs> give me your take ashton sony a6400 it's uh incredible camera with an incredible feature set for not a lot of money but there's a reason why it's not a lot of money why is that one card slot Oh, and shit. so you probably shouldn't just completely pitch it out. You what they see here's what they want you to do. You just basically need to just buy the A7S2 or the A7R3. That's it. 
So don't waste your money on the 6400. Nah, total don't even bother. Crap. Don't yeah, total piece of junk. All right, Sony, nice work. Um yeah, talk to us when you got two card slots. Yeah, really up, get get on it, guys. Awesome. All right, well that wraps up episode 10 by the way. Woo! Episode X powered by LaCroix. X. Although we made a 9, so we did make a we made a 9, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, big thanks to Mike Graham of Second Melody, uh, the branding design studio out of Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, check out their website. Check them out on social. Give them a follow. Uh, incredible, incredible house of creatives. Um, the Office Hours podcast is produced by my buddy uh, David Patino at the Tannery Studio in Stanhope, New Jersey, with the assistance of Katie Lantic of KO Public Relations. And sometimes I uh, chip in and help out. Uh, you can find us all on social at David A. Patino, basically everywhere. Ashton Stan, that's on IG, and Katie uh, Lantuck on IG as well. Uh, and if you liked our podcast, share it with a friend, share it with a couple friends, um, and get the message out that what we're doing here is because uh, we like it. We we have a good time here, and we hope you enjoy listening to it. Share it because um, we like it. Share it because we like it. So you should <laughs> like it too. Plus, we need that Lacroix money, so mm. y'all need to get on it. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you in the next one. Cheers.